Hey. Hey, I think there will be almost definitely a time delay, no matter how we we do this, to be honest. Maybe a little, but um, uh, I haven't had problems uh, before. So, uh, I mean, I've had problems before, but usually it works. Welcome to the first episode of Digital Animals with uh, Duck Sauce. Hi. <laughs> and Kupo, Kupo Not. Ready to pod, ready to cast a pod. Yeah, exactly. And we've got, um, we've got a very interesting guest, which is very exciting, Forest Mommy. Forest Mommy, uh, the, uh, the libertarian uh, lady off of Twitter. Yes, <laughs> exactly. She's a, she's a very fascinating character, and I'm really excited to, to have the chance to talk to her. And um, I feel like now is a pretty good time to, to talk about what we're sort of uh, going to be looking at as a sort of overarching theme for this podcast, sort of investing is to be a very online person. Sure, sure. So, uh, yeah, a little bit uh, background. Um, I'm, a, I'm a cartoon space moogle on, <laughs> on the internet. Yeah. And uh, uh, Ducky, you, uh, you uh, actually have some uh, accreditations. You're a, a psychologist in training. Yeah, I'm in my fourth year of university. I'm, I'm almost finished. <laughs> right, so you're, you're ready to crack open people's heads and uh, get inside them and see what makes them tick. That's exactly what I'm excited for. That's the whole reason I've been doing my degree is to become a therapist. I'm very excited to to get in there and really understand people on a on a sort of more educated level from from how I've previously tried to do so. Yeah, yeah, because we're we're all therapists in a sort of layman's sense. <laughs> Armchair therapists, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, the 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 concept of uh the very online person is uh as i understand it and please uh jump in uh if you you know you think uh you have any thoughts is um there seems to be as uh, i'm sort of watching society progress there seems to be two classes of people there's um there's uh normal people who live in the real world made of atoms and molecules right and you know they they feed their, they, they, they raise their kids and they, they go bowling and they play darts and uh, they go to the food store. And then there's a, this second uh, smaller subclass of people, which we, we like to call the, uh, the very online or the hyper online person. Right. And, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're less, less growing crops and more tending, tending tweets in the, the digital garden. Yes. You know, <laughs> and yeah, the uh, the idea uh, these I think these very online people are actually becoming it's almost like a different species. They, right, uh, I see. Yeah, they interact. You know, they 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 have much richer uh, stimuli that they're they're taking on. They're 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 receiving a digital information at a much faster rate. And uh, my intuitions here, and I don't know if you concur, but my intuitions here are th- is that the uh, the additional stimuli that are uh, it's more than an order of magnitude is actually affecting uh, the way their brains work. 
Right. Okay. So I guess you could say what we're sort of investigating here is we're we're looking to see how being someone who spends more time online than offline affects you and your sort of um, your literal uh, neural firings, your your sort of brain processing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, how does it affect your desires, your wants, your behaviors? Uh, and, uh, you know, how does it affect your uh, your actual real day to day relationships? Um, I mean, you know, we claim to be normies, but I think we're we're slowly we're or rather quickly becoming uh, very online people <laughs> ourselves. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that, actually, when 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 proclaiming us as normies in the the bio of our podcast I was thinking are we really are we really normies and I I spoke to my um my friend about this when I was talking about our our idea for this podcast and and he sort of presented it to me as uh, well it's kind of a spectrum there's there are people who are very online and there are people who don't use the internet at all but there's definitely a lot of people in this midsection that aren't really consider themselves a very online person and I think I do fall into that category personally. Do you know what your screen time is? Actually, I think it's around four hours a day. Right. So I think you, you are right in the middle. Uh, mine ranges anywhere from uh, six to eight hours a day. Interesting. That, that to me, I think that is uh, on the cusp of becoming a very online person yourself. I mean, if you're if you're sleeping for eight hours and you're on the and you're and you're working for eight and you're on you're online for eight, uh, you know what else are you doing? That's uh, precisely that's your, that's your... <laughs> exactly. That's that's what I find so interesting about this. I, I have a really good friend who um, who is definitely a very online person. She she sort of operates in this very interesting, uh, very niche aspect of Twitter. She she's part of a fandom for for a show and i follow her because she's my friend but i i also end up as a consequence seeing an absolute ton of tweets that i don't really understand about a show that i don't watch but i see that she's she's tweeting maybe 15 to 20 times a day and i find that so interesting because i'm personally someone who uses twitter in a very sort of passive way as a as a bystander uh, essentially uh, you're you're a plant yeah you're, uh, yeah you're <laughs> yeah i'm there to retweet and to like and occasionally if i'm feeling e- extremely brave to leave a comment but i'm not someone who posts my own tweets very often Mm. what 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 niche is uh your friend in what uh well it's interesting um it's specifically uh for for well she's multiple subsets but she has a D campaign uh <laughs> a power rangers D campaign mm. that uh is actually quite popular she what they do after these uh D episodes is the the DM creates a, a document that is a, is effectively a summary of the the session of champions, which is what it's called. Mm-hmm. And uh, they publish these documents. And if you want, you can message her and you can get a, a link to the document. You can stay informed with each episode, uh, which is something that I, I messaged her about recently. I told her to send me the link because I'm quite interested in in this uh, in this D and D campaign. I think it's fascinating. 
so it's a, a public for entertainment uh, D&D adventure. Yes. Yeah. And I think that's a super interesting and great idea. And I'm, I'm tuned in. I'm a big fan. <laughs> Even though I don't know much about it yet, she talks about it with such passion. I, I don't know if this is relatable to you, but, you know, when someone talks about something that you personally have absolutely no clue what they're talking about, but because they're pitching it to you with such dedication, you kind of have to be interested. Well, that's, I mean, so you've, what you've just identified is uh, how uh, sales psychology works. <laughs> yeah. Pe- people, people buy passion. So if, you, if you're passionate um, about, about a, a field, that's the easiest way for, uh, to get someone to buy from you. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's precisely what it is. She's just sold me her Dungeons and, Dungeon and Dragons campaign. And I'm, I'm interested. I love it. Yeah, it's, it's funny that you bring that up, too, because uh, I actually know uh, in my uh, Twitter sphere, right, I, I also uh, know people who have a public uh, D&D campaign. Really? It's becoming a, a popular thing, perhaps. Yeah, yeah a, a real spectator sport. Yeah. So... Let's do uh, let's do a, a light. Uh, obviously, we'll we'll build this as we go through the podcast. But uh, let's build a light sort of uh, conceptual analysis, or let's uh, let's get some metrics together by right. uh, how how we, we would want to identify you know these uh, these digital animals. Right. Um, at the top of my head, I had uh, I had screen time, mm-hmm. and then I had a uh, uh, online friend to uh we'll call it irl in real life uh IRL. Oh, ratio yeah online right. to irl ratio for friend friend that's and, interesting um, that's a very good point i hadn't really thought about that i was more thinking about the sort of interaction uh the amount that this person uses their their social medias to to put things outwards if that makes any sense well actually i think i think that's a that's a good third metric Perfect. Fantastic. Because, I mean, and, and something we could look into, which is uh, how, how many thoughts does the brain generate on a, on a given day? You know, how does it? And how does it <laughs> Such how, a difficult how, question. No, sure. Sure. It, it's tough, right? Yeah. But, but it, it's a number. Yeah, it, it's quantifiable, but it would, it, would, uh, it would be an experiment for sure to try and count how many thoughts you have a day. Yeah, I mean, it would, and it would be a tough one. Uh, but uh, what what I would wonder is if you're constantly generating thoughts, um, you know, what percentage of those are you keeping to yourself? What percentage of those are you giving to people IRL? And uh, what percentage are you feeding into, you know, the the basilisk or the uh, the super organism that is the internet? You know. Ah, well. That's very interesting. Because, I, I, as soon as you talk about this, I kind of want to apply it to myself because, I, like you're saying, I'm sort of trying to work out. Am I an, a very online person? And I think, honestly, in, in terms of uh, thoughts generated uh, in comparison to thoughts shared, I feel yeah. like, personally, I, I'm usually keeping things to myself unless I'm in a group of people and then for the sake of conversation, I'm sharing these things, you know? Mm, so they're, so they're, it's almost like they're pulled out of you, almost. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, did you ever see uh, that that video of uh, David Bowie, uh, David Bowie, um, talking about the internet and giving his thoughts on it? No, I haven't. Uh, what is it? What is it sort of about? Well, 
you know, we'll put we'll put the link in the in the show notes. But uh, David Bowie, I think, was uh, very prescient on this. Um, he said he found the internet uh, absolutely amazing because yeah. what it represented was uh, a sort of uh, super super organism uh, where it's sort of uh, in the brain you have uh, millions uh, billions of neurons and they're all connected uh, firing their synapses trans- right. transmitting electrochemical packets of information from neuron to neuron right so i think i think i see where you're going with this a sort of comparison of the internet as one one large brain us being the the effectively the neurons within it exactly exactly and yeah so and uh with with our thoughts that we release into the the abyss or the void or you know into the supercomputer mm-hmm. uh you know those are instead of uh, electrochemical packets we're transmitting packets of memes or information yeah so because uh, you know where does uh where does a thought begin and where does it end it's it's not contained ah. it's not contained within the body so you know, if I if you say something, you know, you say like a cube, right? Or I, if I say a cube, immediately in your head, uh, you have a a six sided three uh, D um, object pop up in your head, and you can't not think about it. Right. So you've used your speech production skills, and I've used my speech comprehension skills to to share the same thought. Yeah, and uh, you know, if 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 we're thinking of density of information uh is is that did i just transmit information more densely and more quickly than uh two neurons could i wonder well surely there are neurons within you that that had to you know do the do the do their thing before you were able to to even share that thought with me Exactly. I guess uh, what I'm getting at, and I guess what we'll discover along the course of, uh, you know, who actually read some of the literature and find out is um, I wonder if the Internet, it's sort of um, like the sum of the parts is greater than the whole. Like, I wonder if um, Ah. the the connection of minds, like how logarithmic is the is the growth of new ideas? Right. Like, is it an exponential curve? What, you know? Mm-hmm. yeah so anyway that's uh yeah that that's the general that's the general thesis and uh if we're looking at you know if we're looking at who is contributing to this supercomputer uh by default it's going to be these very, very online, online people yeah because, right and, and i i think uh you know Pareto Pareto's law or otherwise known as the the 80 20 rule um will sort of match up to this i think uh 20% of the people in the world are producing 80% of the content fascinating right i i i absolutely agree just from a sort of uh initial uh perspective on this well it's like that in the in the alcohol industry too right 20% of drinkers consume 80% of the alcohol wow that's 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 a depressing statistic. Twenty percent of twenty uh, percent of podcasts have eighty percent of the listeners. Of course, twenty percent of people have eighty percent of the wealth. I guess this this fluctuates. No, surely there is there are you know differences in these statistics. Maybe ten percent of people have ninety percent of the wealth. 
Uh, that's definitely true. And economics for distribution and uh, the way we uh, right. pay attention and resources. So the question is, if 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 the supercomputer is some sort of collaborative project, right? Yeah. And we're we're all working on it. Yet the architects and the contributors to this project are these very online people. What sort of super supercomputer are we building? Because, right. And uh, <laughs> this is where this is where I want you to uh, use your psychology chops to you know to analyze uh, contributors uh, to this project. But um, well, I think I can do that. Yeah. Sounds it, very interesting. I mean, di- dive in. What kind of person? goes on Twitter and, uh, you know, and, and argues and talks for, for, for hours well, every day. I think, I think there are very many different motivations individually that would make you want to interact with the internet more than you would want to interact with real life. Specifically right now, of course, in the middle of this pan- global pandemic. But even, even without, without the pandemic, for instance, my, my friends who I mentioned her, her D&D I think her interaction with online, uh, from what she's said to me in the past, I think it stems largely from uh, difficulties in high school life that led her to feel as though perhaps uh, high school, the school itself, was not the place for her to seek companions, friends, people to talk to. And instead, she would be better off going online. And that's exactly what she did. And that was exactly how it how it worked. She she was a lot happier talking to people online because they shared interests with her that that her schoolmates didn't. Yeah, is the the term for that where uh, like people seek uh, like mind like minds. It's a homophilia, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah, so that's a okay. So that's a generic uh, principle. But I guess uh, the Internet has. Uh, granted her an easier avenue to find her uh, her uh, her tribe, so to speak. Yeah, well, that's a reason that uh, a lot of people are against this idea. Um, I'm not sure if you're aware of this. Do you know about um, Katie Price's idea to censor the internet? Hold on. Is, is Katie Price uh, the blonde uh, lady in the UK who says controversial things with a big nose? Oh, you're thinking of... Um... Oh, what's her name? <laughs> I know who you're thinking of. Katie Hopkins. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, okay, she, no not the... her. No, I don't know Katie Price. <laughs> Katie Price is a model. And um, basically, she wanted to censor the internet. I believe it was uh, for the sake of her, her son, Harvey, who was uh, effectively getting hate online. She, she, she launched a sort of... Um, campaign against trolls i think was how she described it and what she wanted to do was effectively require people to present identification effectively completely re- remove anonymity from the internet and while lots of people understood where she was coming from i think there was a lot of issues with such a straightforward approach to this yeah, yeah. I mean, I can imagine the general response of the internet was to tell her to get fucked, right? Yeah, pretty much. Because she, like, she comes from a very, a, a very good place. I think. I think her heart's in the right place. But what mm-hmm. she doesn't realize is that an insane amount of people come to the internet as an escape mechanism 
to get to get away from other people in their lives, to get away from who they are even. And you, what you are doing is you are taking that away from uh, from countless people, especially in a situation where, for instance, um, she was requiring children, anyone under the age of 18, to have to get their parents' permission to create mm-hmm. their account. And that would be also based on identification. And mm-hmm. the issue with this is that lots and lots and lots of children use the internet to get away from abusive households, uh, terrible school lives, terrible home lives. And they now are having to ask or would have had to ask their parents for permission to do so. Lots and lots of people would have been told no. Now, do you think uh, that's um, necessarily uh, a healthy outlet? Because uh, the common criticism of this form of digital escapism is uh, that every social media platform is uh, a simulacrum or sort of a a fake version of the real thing. So like Facebook is a replacement for having uh, real friends and going out in real life. And uh, Tinder is uh, a simulacrum of uh, relationships or dating. You know, it doesn't offer real. Interesting. Yeah. And then even Amazon. You know, it's a it's really a poor a shopping simulation. Exactly. Basically, you're, you're playing a simulator of everything. So see, I, I do I do completely understand that argument. I think what it is for me specifically that would make it such a, a terrible thing and therefore making this quite a good escape outlet, I think, is that some people don't have the 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 um sort of advantage of being able to think is this a good escape mechanism for me sure this can be a simulation for real life and perhaps some people would be better off going to hang out with their friends than they would be interacting with some people on facebook some people on twitter however for people that do not have that choice for whatever reason even if it is potentially uh, a sort of life hindering anxiety if it's something Mm. like that and you are only able to really speak your mind on Mm. a digital platform then perhaps it's it's vital to keep that as an option for people yes yeah the 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 humans have a need to uh for free expression it's it's right it's the single basic outlet and as we're seeing uh uh free uh speech is being clamped down upon uh i mean i've I've seen one of these studies in america where uh <laughs> neither of us are in america but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but um apparently it's the uh, most important country in, in a few ways yeah it's like it's you know it's the cultural fountainhead right yeah but, uh, everyone has to talk about america i saw a study where uh 80 of uh, people uh, workers in the workplace were afraid to share their true opinions interesting and even that higher. says a lot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so it's uh, it's it's something. It's going on in uh, schools and workplaces. It's uh, the the culture has become uh, so repressive that uh, yeah, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe the internet is maybe maybe what we're seeing is this is just a result of uh, uh, speech being so suppressed in, in IRL that people uh, do have to retreat to uh, online spaces for that is what i think is one of the reasons that people find uh find themselves spending 
more time online than they do offline. Yeah, so it's it's an avenue for self-expression. Yeah, so, precisely. So let's look at so let's look at our guest. Now our guest uh that's coming up uh shortly, um she is not one of those people that we just discussed. She's no. uh she's uh, almost a, a very healthy uh it seems that from from what I gather, a very healthy online um norm, uh normal person that happens to be uh very popular online yeah i want to talk to her a lot about that because i'm very interested in in how she she gathered the following that she did and if that was on purpose yeah and 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 also uh, you know examine her motivations too she seems to be very uh certain and self-assured that's that's exactly what i was thinking because like you're saying it's not it's uh simply one motivation with her choosing to share her opinions she has gained a following because uh, because she's she's got a lot of very unique and interesting things to say, and lots of people rally behind her her way of thinking. Yeah, and and maybe this is this is the the market of ideas in action, because uh, since these ideas might not nest, they might be uh, verboten or uh, not allowed in the public sphere. Maybe people are not only going online to express, but they're also. Uh, to find ideas that they wouldn't they wouldn't hear IRL. Exactly, exactly. For instance, the the sort of climate around a lot of the things that Forest Mummy is very passionate about. For me, being in Scotland, there are uh, things that we will differ quite quite greatly on an opinion. That is just because I'm surrounded by people who think in a very um, absolutist way a very objective way mm, so mm. i find it very interesting to to have the chance to talk to someone who's clearly come up with answers to a lot of uh, very serious and important questions okay so you think it's a good time to bring her on yeah yeah uh, all right let's uh <laughs> let's uh we've got her in the 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 digital green room here so uh let's, yeah she's uh, been bring... waiting patiently <laughs> yeah <laughs> Let's uh, bring in Forest Mommy. All right. Well, welcome to the podcast, Forest Mommy. It's really great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for inviting me. I thought you were a really, really interesting person. I've had a sort of look at your your Twitter. And, um, well, essentially what we're focusing on with this podcast is we're looking at people who are very active online and the, the contribution they have to, to, to social media in general. And I think you have a really interesting contribution. I think I'm glad you, you think um, it's interesting yeah. and not crazy. Or... <laughs> oh, no, not at all. I think you say a lot of really interesting stuff. And I think that's why you have the following that you do is because so many people agree with you. Yeah, yeah I was I actually, so. I, I, met, I, uh, I told Anna that um, you were kind of the, uh, the, que- the Twitter queen of uh, a libertarian, uh, almost libertarian <laughs> simps. <laughs> yeah, I just know how to like work up. I know how to work up. I think it's perfect. I was really sort of interested in how you managed to like culminate the following that you did. I was wondering if you, you had much um, sort of persistence there. Was there a lot of dedication or did it just naturally sort of come to you? Um, I think naturally just because I have that many, that many thoughts, and then I just threw all my thoughts out there. 
I know that like sex sells a little bit, but you don't want to tell it too much sex. You know, you have to be like, bring that in a little bit. Um, yeah, working but that's kind of just got. how I exactly. And that's kind of <laughs> how I am in real life as well. So, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm just real. And I'm real on there, too. Like, I just don't care. I can't really be canceled at this point in my life or anything. So I can not that I say anything cancelable, really, but I no, feel like I, I can you. say whatever I want. I think that's a sort of perfect way to go about being online that you, you know, you're so certain in yourself that you can't really be canceled because it's sort of, um, it's the confidence that is needed when you're, when you're an online personality, I think. Well, exactly. And you see, I mean, you see even like bigger accounts will like someone will say something and then they like act all like scared or whatever. And it's like, who cares? Just yeah. say what you're going to say. And I think, you know, we're all human beings, you know, we're, we make mistakes. And I don't think canceling anyone is ever the right answer. I no, find it exhausting. <laughs> I like when they, they delete a tweet and then they put the like uh, a screenshot of the tweet to delete or to prove they deleted it. And it's like, what's the point? <laughs> like, yeah, you're just showing the tweet it. again. There's <laughs> yeah. no point. <laughs> Colorado is one of the fittest states in America, right? Yeah. Yeah, we are. And somehow we've been like on this lockdown crap forever. I'm like, we are the healthiest state freaking like compared to any of them. But (laughs) so what do you think about lockdown? Have you been following the rules? Pretty much. It's not like I went and did a whole bunch of stuff anyways. And the only things I would like to do are just shut down and I couldn't do anyways. So yeah, um, (laughs) I've had people over to my house. I've had um haven't done, you know, with my family, we've gotten together a whole bunch and whatnot, but um, there's really no way I could, like, break the rules except for just, like, not wearing a mask somewhere, but otherwise, my life is pretty much the same, kind of a homebody yeah. anyways, but. I found sort of similar as well. I've been, you know, abiding by the rules because I can't really not do that. <laughs> for, for us specifically, it's uh, you're not allowed to have anyone in your house. And that was the case until a couple of weeks ago. And um, now I think I think it'll be the 17th that we're finally allowed legally to have friends come over, family come over. Ducky, I don't know if you let uh, Forrest Mommy know this, <laughs> but you're actually in the uh, authoritarian regime uh, that's uh, known as Scotland. Yeah, yeah. I, I mentioned very briefly, I'm, I'm, I'm in Scotland at the minute. And this is very different from my, my usual life because... Um, me and Kupo come from the same place. We're both originally Bahamian. So they're smoking, smoking weed and, and sort of, you know, <laughs> anything like that, as well as sort of being free. It's, it's very, very different culture than in, um, in Scotland, where uh, lockdown okay. has been a lot more serious. It's well, illegal no, no, to smoke. Yeah, you, haven't, you haven't been back for a while. It's been uh, lockdowns 10 p.m. every night. If you go outside on the street in the Bahamas, uh, we just location doxed us ourselves. Uh, <laughs> uh, I'm sure it's fine. <laughs> you, you, will, uh, you will get arrested. That's fascinating. Wow. What is it like in Colorado at the minute? It's definitely not like that. Um, Pretty much everything's opening back up. All the restaurants are still have like um, a capacity. 
you know, they're less capacity, but like the little town I live nearest to has like a little downtown area and they shut down all the streets. But the funny thing is they're like serving liquor outside. So you can like drink outside now, <laughs> which we couldn't be more. <laughs> but like everything. Yeah, I mean, they try to make the best of it to keep those businesses open. I don't know what they're going to do, if they're going to, like, open the streets back up or whatnot. But, yeah, I mean, you're allowed to be outside. And some of those bars around in that area were, like, some are more strict than others. The restaurants, you pretty much have to wear masks to walk the two feet to your table to take it off. Makes so much sense. (laughs) It doesn't make any sense. It is just like when you're when you're walking into a cafe or a restaurant and you have to yeah put your mask on to to find your table put your mask on to leave even if you're sitting right next to the door it does seem a bit um performative no <laughs> it's so performative there's co- a couple counties out here that have made it so like we have a statewide mandate put out by the governor but a couple of the counties have basically told like their businesses and stuff that it's up to them to enforce it you know, the county isn't going to enforce it anymore, but those are, there's only like two of them that did it. Definitely not in Denver, Boulder, but. I find it so interesting hearing the, you know, what's going on in America right now, because I, it seems like such a, such a huge difference from over here in Scotland. It's, it's very much like a strict, strict enforcement from, from like, uh, the government themselves from uh the smp party in charge here nicola sturgeon she's the person telling us every place has to shut at this time every place has to allow only this many people to sit together and everything it's very very strict still Uh, well i apologize i will try not to complain i try not to complain too much because i know it's worse in other places (laughs) no i think it's fair enough to complain no matter where we are I think everybody's got a, a bad deal at the minute. <laughs> well, th- this brings in, you know, this brings an interesting question, right? What, mm. I- what is the appropriate level of liberty that a citizen should, should expect? Right now? Or in uh, general? If you have an opinion uh, for us, Swami, uh, you know, wh- where do rights actually come from? And, um, you know, how, how much liberty should the average citizen uh, demand or expect from their from their government. Ugh, well, don't get me started. I'll get on a list here real quick if I get going on that. <laughs> no. um, rant away, rant away. Um, well, as far as like this is concerned, with this, um, with like this kind of a disease and everything, I just I don't like part. Obviously, I have a utopian anarchist ideal in my head, which right. I know won't work right now or anything, but. I right now I just don't feel like any I feel like even before this year I mean we've had viruses that are this is this virus isn't even the worst virus we've dealt with in the last like 50 years technically obviously on on the books and in numbers it looks like it is now but whatever if that's all true or not I don't know but like I don't, no one ever was telling other people to like not cough on people before and we all managed <laughs> we all evolved or whatever like we've all made it to 20 at 2020 at that point where like like with people not purposely infecting people or I don't I don't know how to explain yeah. it it's just so weird no, right now you. the government like I don't think the government like we, should say anything I remember I guess in the distant past you know two years ago I remember right. when, when you got sick 
uh, it would be common courtesy to maybe not go around the elderly. You'd be like, oh, well, you know, maybe uh, I have the flu right now. I shouldn't go and visit grandma. Like, right. I, I mean, it was always my understanding that uh, that that was kind of common knowledge. And, I um, mean, I suppose the issue with that specifically with COVID is more that it can be asymptomatic. So maybe the worry, the reason to wear masks uh, is that you're protecting people in case you have sim- you, you have it and you don't have symptoms, I suppose. Yeah, that's you're how really- they started with it. Yeah, you're really, you're, you're really, you're really simping for the government right now. Uh, <laughs> She's just being uh, understanding. <laughs> my friends are all very much so under the impression. Well, it, it's actually sort of 50-50. A lot of my friends are anti the idea of the, these lockdowns because what it has done for people's mental health is astronomical. It's been so terrible for so many people being stuck inside, being forced to not see their friends having to lose their jobs, even if it's in a, in a way where they're furloughed. It, it just seems like it, it, had, it has had such a toll on people's mental health. It has. It has completely. And just like, just the fact they always want us thinking about it and not thinking about anything else, not thinking about bettering our lives, not thinking about like our communities. They just want us continually yeah. thinking about like just being scared and all this stuff. Well, the thing, like with um, Scotland at the minute, there's a very interesting sort of political climate because lots and lots of people, I, I don't know if both of you, you know that Brexit has just happened and everyone, everyone in Scotland essentially voted against Brexit. So what that, what that means for Scotland is that we're being forced to do something that the majority of the population did not want to do. And what a lot of people's idea for the next step is, is to get independence. But in order to get independence from, uh, as Scotland, we need to appeal to Westminster. We need to ask them if we can actually have an independence vote. And uh, right now, their response has sort of been, well, there's a lot going on right now. We've got COVID to deal with. We don't want to be talking about this independence but it's very frustrating because like you're saying, it's it's nothing to do with COVID. We need to really be dealing with other issues at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> like a million other issues. I wanted to ask if you were um, thinking of getting the vaccine. I, I personally am not. They're going to have to like tie me to a table to give it to me. I would have been more open to I've had probably three flu shots in my life, but I've never been sick. Like I've never gotten terribly sick from any kind of a cold or anything. It's been since I was a kid, since I was very sick. So, I mean, in in the long run, if it turned into where it was like a flu vaccine type thing, then, you know, I would have thought about it. But not with how crazy they're being, the way they're pushing it. It's like, okay, that makes me worried. That makes like my spidey senses go off. Let, let me let me follow up on that. I've I've been thinking about this for a while, and um, I've been think uh, you know, and I've been inspired by your feed, especially uh, Forest Mommy, that uh, I you know, the governments need to really get out of the business of fear and coercion, and more into the business of um, you know, maybe knowledge and uh, transparency and persuasion. So. If the governments were maybe more honest about the vaccines and they said, you know, it is, it, we did rush it out. It is a medical trial, but we do need people to volunteer to sort of test out the medication. And, uh, you know, we're looking for sort of 
you know, heroes to, to come and help us out because we, we think this will help out in the long run. Uh, you, you, do you think that approach would uh, be uh, w- would be much you'd be much more willing to maybe try try out the vaccine? Well, probably, or at least just like not feel so weird about it. You know, like uh, I, w- I wouldn't feel like a hero for trying it, but <laughs> but if they just <laughs> yeah. had that attitude around it, I, it immediately definitely would feel like more. Oh, okay, this is just something they're trying to help and blah blah blah. But yeah, they're not doing that. <laughs> so is it mainly the um the sort of persistence, like the really strong persistence that the government has been pushing this vaccine and been pushing it in, in a way that actually is going to be now sort of excluding people who don't have it? Is that what sort of uh, made you feel a bit uh, skeptical? Oh, yeah, for sure. It, and it just felt like it was another one of the goalposts that they had moved along all the way. Like, it yeah. was just another one, you know? Yeah, what was the first goalpost? It was, uh, we'll lock down for two weeks, right? Just to oh, 15 days. I remember that. That first lockdown was one of the hardest things. It felt like they were ripping away all of your freedom. Yeah, it was not good. I lost, I lost 20 pounds in that first month just from, like, anxiety, sitting around shaking like a, like a chihuahua or something. Because I, <laughs> I knew that there was something bigger going on, and it wasn't about this disease and you know it was there was something shifting and and then a year later so what do you think is the bigger thing going on um I think it really was just to get well I don't know if it was to get control of the people because I know they've had control of the people but I don't know maybe just to shake the people who aren't under the who aren't under the like spell of government and whatnot to like shake Ah. them out I don't know. Ah. I thought it was to get Biden elected. Wasn't that, isn't that the general consensus? Well, that's what everyone <laughs> said, especially in my life. Like my partner always says, well, it was, just, you know, it was an election year. And I'm like, okay, but <laughs> like, kind of a big deal. Like I definitely agree. I had to, had to have to do with that because it's all yeah. part of the, I, you know, I think it's all part of their plans anyways, which I guess that's kind of how I always was that there's, just these nefarious people in government, like making things happen anyway. So I guess that was just my immediate thought anyways. It's very hard to see uh, the, the sort of facts behind lots of statements that the government makes, I think. Yeah, well, the there's no way to qual- qualify it. The government does not have a good history with uh, or a good uh, track record with uh, mandatory injections. Like if you look at any government... <laughs> It's like uh, through European governments down to the modern day American government, almost almost every uh, series of mandatory injections has turned out, you know, fatefully for the the victims or the test subjects. This is why I'm on a team forest mommy because uh, I've been uh, been, (laughs) the last two years I've been uh, growing so skeptical of uh, concentrated power. Because they can do whatever they want. They can literally do whatever they want. No matter what we all do in our private lives, they can do whatever they want. So we've got, uh, there's two two major, um, uh, I suppose, uh, golems or threats uh, in the, there's the government and then there is the government lackeys, otherwise known as uh, the mob. Yeah, I had a a question for you, uh, Forrest Wami. I've I've had uh, trouble actually expressing uh, expressing honest opinions on Twitter because um, p- 
people have uh, tried to dox me, tried to come after my clients and uh, tried to basically get me, uh, uh, separate me from my income streams. Uh, have you ever had any, uh, any fear of this happening to you or have you had any uh, incidents with the mob? Uh, no, not yet. Things are set up pretty good in my life where, you know, the way I work, like clients either want to hire me right now or they don't anyways. So, and it's a personality thing anyway. So they're either going to like me or not as it is. If they find out I'm an anti-vaxxer, they'll either hire me or they won't. So luckily. Do you receive hate in general? Have you got any sort of mean DMs or comments or anything? Surprisingly, no. Like, most dms are sexual in nature (laughs) uh, but like just friendly or just like positive i've had a lot of people be like where i could start telling that i was saying what a lot of people are thinking and maybe they didn't feel free i would get a lot of dms like oh i feel just like that i can't say that out loud blah 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 so i get a lot of that That i I don't go get it it is nice it's kind of like okay my I call myself a dumb bitch, but I'm like, you know, my dumb bitch life means something to some people. So it's all good. If you feel like your income is going to get hurt, that's scary. You know, that's a scary thing to have to deal with. And if you're thinking, oh, I can't even say this opinion on social media, which is not like in the grand scheme of things, social media is, well, after this year, I can tell it, it did. It does have a big effect on people, but like, it really isn't that big of a deal. Social media, it's just this, it should just be this. You know, where people go to talk or find things out or whatever. And then you're like all of a sudden, and then you're all of a sudden getting doxxed. Yeah, that's like, it's so stupid. I hate the idea of being (laughs) doxxed. Yeah, I've had some other stuff happen in my life, just like with pictures before. That was, that was silly enough. But like, luckily at this point, I mean, I just can't be doxxed in that way too much. People just find out my real name probably like let these things sort of get to you or stress you out the the potential no. of this happening yeah nah well, what, so let's let's talk about the the other uh, elephant in the room have uh, have you uh, received any uh, content warnings or um, has has uh, yeah, the crypto fascist oligarchy of uh, twitter uh, come to shut you threaten your account for shutdown yet not yet. Cool. The only time, the only time anything happened is I think someone had reported a profile picture I had where like you could see my butt crack a little bit in the back off in the distance. <laughs> they reported it. <laughs> yeah, because it, it had been up forever. And then all of a sudden they were like, this picture is against like, you know, the, like for sensitive media or whatever. And yet when wow. I scroll through my timeline, I see a lot of worse stuff. Anyway, not worse. Yeah. I like the stuff I'm seeing, but like. It, compared to what More my picture was, I was like, <laughs> exactly. So I'm like, so I think someone had reported it, but luckily, so, so other than that, and then I haven't gotten any like, um, where I've had to redo tweets or I've been like, um, banned yet. No that's, kind of, that's what got me off of Facebook is I would get banned all the time on Facebook. So then, like, really, like, okay, well, I'll just get off Facebook then. So, I mean, yeah, the I fact know. that Trump got banned, what do you what do you think of that? No, it's so ridiculous. That just goes, but the whole, I mean, just everyone, like, I never liked the dude either. I never thought about him before he was president. When he was president, I hated him just as much as I hate the rest of the state and the government. Like, yeah. But, like, the hate for him is just, like, I saw it in my own friends, and I'm like, why are you guys so obsessed with this guy? Like, he is definitely I never one understood of the most it. hated presidents, it seems. Yes. 
And I'm like, he's such a dummy. Why does he like, like, like he said everything out loud. He's not like doing secret stuff on your back or like, like I've worked for people like Trump and I've worked for people like Obama or like other presidents. And I'm like, you want the bombastic like dummy, like the person is just going to get mad, but then it's over and it's whatever. But all these other people will smile behind your back or they'll smile to your face and then they'll do whatever they want behind your back. Maybe Trump isn't really that bad in that sense. I wonder what Joe Biden will be like in that regard. But um, yeah, Forrest Palmy, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, we've uh, done uh, 30 minutes. And thank you for okay. being our, our first guest on the podcast. Yeah, thank uh, you so much. I wanted to, thanks for uh, having me. Yeah, I wanted You're to very welcome. close out, uh, you know, um, and uh, just ask, you know, if you had any thoughts or tips, uh, you know, for people to you know in their in their daily lives to sort of resist the 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 tyranny and uh, the social pressures of uh you know government and modern day society uh what what would you what would you have for people um i think the best way is when your friends are asking you like if you're getting the vaccine or whatever it's just to react as like matter-of-factly and non-emotionally as you can start there but I mean, because that's the whole conversation with them is like they'll ask it and then you're and you it's it should make a person feel defensive to be asked this medical question. I mean, that was normal before this year. So like if we can just like kind of go against that with just like pure logical matter of factness with no emotion to kind of maybe bring them down a little bit. And I know it won't help going all the way up the ladder, but at least in our personal lives, that'll kind of help. Yeah, it's funny, uh, you know, this last few years, it's almost as if the things that should be private have become public and the things that should be public have become private. It's almost like an inversion of all previous norms and uh, sensibilities. Completely agree. (laughs) Well, thank you so, so much for coming on. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Thank you both. Thanks, Boris, Bonnie. Bye. Bye. Bye.